Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the ShuttlePod podcast. Today is Wednesday, May the 20th, 2020, and this is the 81st uh, episode of the ShuttlePod podcast, not including, of course, our um, Discovery and Picard episodes and supplementals. I always right. have to put that in there because otherwise it sounds, like, qualify, it's, right? it sounds like we didn't do as many as we have. Mm-hmm. True. Um, so this is ShuttlePod number 81 officially. My name is Kaylee Yacovino, and I'm joined today by Brian Drew. Hey, everybody. And returning special guest star appearance by Anthony Pascal. So happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't sound very enthusiastic, Tony. <laughs> I, no, I actually am because I. It's uh, we're talking about things that I find interesting. Yes, not indeed. that your podcast isn't interesting every week. I, I'm an av- avid listener, of course. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it's good that um, Tony is here with us today um, because today we're going to talk a little bit about sort of the 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 businessy side of things um of course we're going to start out uh the hour talking about a little bit of news there's been some big news um in the star trek world um but it's we're also going to talk about sort of how that fits in with you know the rest of the star trek universe and how it is brought to us meaning over these streaming interwebs and the sort of streaming wars that are happening now and is sort of yet to come um and that whole landscape so, yeah, with news, right? We just had a really big uh, announcement in the Star Trek world, which is a whole new show called Strange New Worlds. And it's going to be a, a show about Captain Pike. People love Anson Mount, myself included. Um, and we're going to have Anson Mount, uh, Peck, and uh, Rebecca Romain returning to their roles as Pike, Spock, and number one. And so all of them were part of this whole announcement. They've officially announced it, and there's an official release, which uh, had a summary of the show. Brian, do you want to read the summary for us? Excuse me. They they don't give you a definitive summary, but I guess the best description is it says, the series will follow Captain Pike, science officer Spock, and number one in the decade before Captain Kirk boarded the USS Enterprise as they explore new worlds around the galaxy. According to CBS, the new series will, quote, take the trio of Spock, Pike, and number one, and the USS Enterprise almost right up to the reign of that certain James T. Kirk. Almost. Close quote. That was, you know, there was something oddly cute about the way that press release was worded, where they added that little almost. It's almost like. They're teasing something about Kirk, but I'm not really sure what. So, Mm. yeah, I I guess what they're saying is, you know, they've already figured out that the last episode is, you know, going to have, you know, we're going to see Kirk's shuttle heading towards the Enterprise to take over command or something. I'm not sure what it means. Sure, yeah, maybe. Mm. uh, The implication is we're going to see Pike's reign um, of command of the enterprise all the way to the end i guess is the mm-hmm. sense i got from that assuming the show gets picked up year sure. after year right 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 sure although that's a lot of time right so they're what nine years it's a yeah it's something seven. like that i think seven. it's seven okay but you know alex joked in january he's like seven years that seems like a good run for a star trek series it is so I mean that that's the funny thing is like here it is in May and it it's been so obvious for so long the show was coming. Yeah. <laughs> and you fan you know some fans had like started doing sleuthing on the internet and they'd find like you know as, you know assistant art directors who were adding it to their resumes. I mean it was known that this thing is coming. And the mm-hmm. name itself Although you know, it was being called Star Trek Enterprise I think it was just an internal name because in their minds there was in Toronto, they had the Star Trek Discovery, and then the other one was the Enterprise set, which was a different set. Ah, uh, yeah. Of, and so they're like, well, this one's called Star Trek Enterprise because it's on the other set on the other stage. Because they built, I mean, that's when I first saw the Enterprise set, I thought it was a redress of the Shinzo set, um, which was the Section 31 set, which mm-hmm. they turned it, you know, but this was a whole new set they built for the Enterprise for season two 
It wasn't a redress of anything. It was just, you know, an empty room. And uh, That's impressive. They didn't, build the, they didn't build the whole thing. I think it was like they built three quarters of it or something. There were some walls they didn't build. But it's amazing because it was only used in, what, two episodes? The bridge itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and uh, then they reused it in the short tracks. But So I think they kind of had a feeling then that they were going to do it. But yeah, but we've all been pretending, you know, it wasn't official. And some people were like online trying to say, oh, Anson Mounts set his location to Strange New Worlds. And I'm like, well, he did that, you know, you know, three years ago or something. But, <laughs> uh, you know, some things were clues, some things weren't clues. But I'm glad we could finally drop the pretense that this show wasn't coming or we didn't know it's coming because you know it's coming yeah well yep. and here it is i guess i mean there are some headlines out there saying you know that the this show is because of a fan campaign well i think that, yeah i think there's i think there's certainly an element of truth i mean um they were you know they were pleased to see that fans liked it. I mm-hmm. don't think they, when they hired Anson Mount, they had this all worked out. In right, fact, I know, sure. they, did, I know yeah. they didn't because they didn't sign him to a deal that would make it possible. He was out of his deal as of the end of season two. So they had to create a new deal for him um, and all of them, in fact. So, um, but they were happy to see the reaction um, and the short treks were... Um, and it t- still took them a little while to figure it out, you know, even after the fans started talking about it. Um, but the short treks, I think, I'm pretty sure they decided to do it when they decided to do the short treks. But they were also a little bit of a um, a test run, as it were. Sure, makes sense. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole show makes sense to me because I think it's true that. I mean, at least from what we've seen, the fan reaction to Pike during the run of Discovery was extremely positive. I didn't hear, I don't think I heard anyone saying they didn't like Pike or they didn't like Anson Mount. Um, And I thought some of the strongest um, scenes and the strongest, you know, character things and the strongest episodes even were centered around Pike, more or less. So, I don't know, I think it's you know, kudos to them for for realizing what's working. But it's also interesting, right, because they I wonder how much they are looking back at what didn't work um, because it's really noteworthy that in this announcement they stressed and then in subsequent interviews they stressed that um, the Captain Pike show will be more episodic, less serialized, and also will focus more on the sort of optimistic view of Star Trek. Well, well, I mean, you, you couch that in, in the terms of um, what didn't work and I, I would take exception to that to say that from the beginning of them announcing the quote Star Trek universe they've been very clear that they want a kind of variety pack of Star Trek shows and so you would you will never hear Alex or Akiva or any of them say serialization isn't working they are 100% on board for serialization for both Discovery and especially for Picard um, and the second season of Picard will be just as serialized as the first, and, you know, the third season of Discovery, it's same thing. So, because those are shows that they're trying to be modern, et cetera, et cetera. I think for, for, for this, but, but in their variety pack, but, you know, they're also making this animated comedy, which is going to be episodic. Um, they're going to make the Section 31 show, which will be serialized, you know, it's unclear where that is in its process, but that'll most likely be highly serialized as well. Um, and this one will be different. This one's going to be you know, because they don't want all these shows to feel the same. They don't want it to be like Voyager and Next Generation were kind of, you know, different settings, but still felt very much the same. Yeah. And, and in fact, Enterprise was say, remember in the first season of Enterprise, everyone's like, ah, well, this just kind of feels like, you know, Voyager, but, you know, colored gray, literally. So, um, you know, the, the they want these shows to be different, and this is one way for this to be different because this is the show that they are trying to, you know, fan service as much as possible. I think I joked in one of my early reviews that 
you know, Pike, Anson Mount's Pike is like grown in a Starfleet lab, you know, yeah, of what a captain's going to be. Yeah, that was spot on, Tony. So, you know, they they are doing a callback to nostalgia as much as they can for this show. When are they not? <laughs> well, yeah, that's not new. The nostalgia, well, the, the, the picking of nostalgia and doing callbacks and that kind of thing. And then bringing in characters we know and connecting them and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, this is just more overt than the others, that's all. This is wall-to-wall nostalgia. This isn't stunt casting nostalgia. This is all nostalgia. I wish it was nostalgia more in tone and in style rather than in substance. Because I don't care to see, like, I don't care about, oh, I remember that character. Like, I I don't care. I don't like that. And I don't like when they throw in, you know, random aliens or whatever just just because people will remember it. Because that doesn't lend to the story. You know, I wish... I wish the nostalgia would stay on the, because like I feel like in some ways, um, like in, in in some ways Discovery was flipped and like perhaps it was intentional and you know a lot of people seem to like that, but for me I'd rather have it, you know where they have the 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 modernization of of tone and style and the nostalgia in callbacks I'd rather have that flipped completely. So that that's what I would be hoping for with the Pike Show is that they I don't think they will, um, but I would hope that they would like tone down that form of nostalgia and just have it be like within the essence of the show. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if this is going to be a more quote unquote, traditional Star Trek show, episodic format, more of an optimistic nature to it. What is going to differentiate it then from the original series? And I'm not talking about the obvious, you know, differences in storytelling over 50 50 years, but just, is this going to just be kind of a total fan service? You know, these are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, but with Christopher Pike, or are they going to try to do something a little different with it? You know, would it be so bad to have a show set on a starship? Um, they have a series of adventures where they do a lot of exploring and they meet new people and races every week and yeah. have conflicts and and resolve those conflicts and uh have a laugh every once in a while you know is i you know i don't think that's so bad even if that is what the original series was i mean there'll be there'll certainly be modern touches that it'll the show will probably be more diverse even though the original series was diverse you know it'll be diverse for its time um and uh yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of ways in which tos was not diverse yeah, for its time, by it was modern, very by diverse. modern standards, by modern standards. Well, you could say yeah. that about anything. Yeah, I'm just pointing, just making the point because everyone always holds it up as this, you know, shining beacon of diversity, and and it, it has it sprinkled in there. But you know, it we, we came, we made big steps with TOS, but we still had many to go. I mean, I, I think it'll be also interesting to see how it's shot, how it's lit. Um, yeah, it, you know, so far it's been lit brighter and and. Um, it's shot in a somewhat more traditional way. It's interesting to hear, and uh, I look forward to my next interview with Jonathan Frakes, which will hopefully be sometime soon, um, where I could talk about it, because he's talked about how he shoots um, Picard and Discovery a little differently, but especially shoots Orville very differently, much more the Next Generation style. He's got Marvin Rush there, and... You know, so how will he? Because he's he is going to be shooting for this show as well. Um, you know, how will it? How will that style be different? It'll be interesting to see who they pick to shoot the pilot because that all you know sets the tone mm. of the style of the show. Um, you know, I'm wondering whether Akiva will be able to resist picking himself. Um, I was about to make a joke and say it would be Akiva because I'm looking here at the sort of credits and it's like series premiere was written by Akiva Goldsman, a story by mm. Akiva Goldsman, <laughs> like his name is just on there so much. Goldsman, Kurtzman, and Lumet will serve as executive producers. Right, although there, I mean, a lot of people joke about how the, 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 there's all the same names you see on these things, but half the names you see on it aren't creative people, aren't you know, right, people right. like Heather Heather Kadeen. Is Alex's partner. She runs Secret Hideout, um, but she's not in the writers' room. She's not even in the edit bay. No, she's um, the business person. Yeah, she's in the business. Side. Right. You know, and Aaron Byers, same thing. Rod and Rod and Trevor. Tr- Trevor, you know, great guys, but you know, 
they are not they are not breaking stories in the writers room you know and <laughs> no. they're the first first to tell you um the writers room apparently is um akiva and these three new people um uh, an ep from the magicians um yeah henry alonzo myers right who you know the, i'm a big fan of the magicians um i read the books i thought the show was very well done and very faithful to the books and yet not too faithful um and uh you know one of the others on the show uh came from you know was on luke cage and uh some other good stuff so you know they have some good people in the room um and they've been saying the right thing so far um and uh you know so we'll see you know mm. I, I i agree with kayla i don't want to see every week like oh look you know her has dropped by or oh look it's yeah you know it's yeah. it's, it's 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 you've got pike and you've got spock um, spock yeah. you, you know number one that's enough yeah you I agree. Know? Yes, 100%. totally you have the enterprise 100%. too and, and you the have the starship enterprise yeah let it and, and and i hope they don't you know an enterprise went down this hole like oh look it's the ferengi but you know we're gonna figure out a way where it's not really you know the first time and oh look it's the borg and you know it's like you know it, it, some part of akiva's thinking now how can i get the gorn into this show yeah you know yeah yeah i'm anticipating a gorn yeah yeah and just resist I, i'm just i'm begging them resist the what is who is your gorn now you know we should yeah. see Klingons. We should see yes. Klingons. I'm fine sure. with seeing Klingons, um, but we don't need the Gorns or the Metrons. Or, come up with your own Metrons. Yeah. Come up with your own godlike species that puts the Pike Enterprise on trial because that's got to happen eventually, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, but like, that's right. That's fine. If the name of your show is Strange New Worlds, please go to Strange New Worlds. <laughs> yes, enough with the enough you. with the small enough with this small universe bullshit that we seem to be trapped in. <laughs> right. Go yes. out and give us something new, please. I mean that that is one of the problems of course with a prequel is we you know and with all of Star Trek is where in the galaxy, I mean that's why Voyager went to the Delta Quad. It's like where can we go to find things that we didn't find in the 24th century that Kirk never found. Ah, I think that's where, small thinking. You know, so I agree. They, they, I agree, Kay. I mean, you could go go. You probably take a walk in your neighborhood and find a street you've never been on. Like, there's a lot to discover. Right, but you know, it'll be. Is this a you know? This is supposed uh, supposed to be a five year mission, so they'll probably have to couch it like, here's a sector of the galaxy where no one has gone before, and so every week is a new and interesting planet. Hopefully, mm-hmm. we never see Earth, or we see it only at the beginning and the end. Yep. Um, yep. And uh, um, where did the last episode? Were they, yeah, they were in. They did. They were on Earth, right at the end of Discovery season two, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I believe so. Yep. Yeah, there was a space dock or something. Yeah, yeah. so that's like fine. That. You can start on Earth and leave immediately. <laughs> you know, um, and Earth will never be in peril again. You know, oh, yeah, that would be wonderful. We don't need this yeah, like yeah. world-ending, universe-ending catastrophe. Yeah. Unneeded. Especially since we know it won't happen anyway. Because it's a prequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, you know, I wouldn't mind a little, and, and there'll probably be some, I wouldn't mind a little serials. So as the traveling sector B1527, which is the new sector no one's ever been to before. I just made that up. <laughs> um, I like it. I like it. They, they, every once in a while they run into someone who says something and, you know, and it's about some mysterious race or something and they find an artifact here or a mention there or something. In a way, the way that early seasons of DS9 dealt with the Dominion, it was kind of out there, but we don't know what it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but instead, unlike DS9, they should resist, you know, going highly serialized. But maybe eventually in the finale, they're like, oh, now we finally meet this yep. race, you know, and yep. we have a conflict, yep. but then we learn to love each other and, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have no problem with like a loose form of serialization. Same, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. If you want to do something that say puts a bow on the entire season in terms of like a theme or a underlying narrative, why not? I mean, even yeah. even TNG did that. Yeah, I mean, it, well, TNG not... did a lot of it. actually TNG 
had a interesting amount of serialization and it they did. had arcs. Yep. Especially yep. when you look at seven seasons, you know, that there's kind of mini arcs that you could piece together. Unlike, you know, say um, Enterprise would have those in fourth season, three episode, two episode arcs, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the it's uh, and memory alpha is good at um, kind of keeping track of those arcs. So you can mm-hmm. almost do a rewatch of TNG on, you know, in a way like the fourth season of Enterprise where you can just watch the arcs, you know, with a season two episode, then it picks up again in season five or whatever. Oh. And, oh. That's a great so, idea. That's a really good idea. I want, I want to see that like mapped out. Oh, there's a page. I'll I'll, I'll share the link. Cool. Cool. I I one thing I like I like about that level of serialization, that very small level of serialization, is that you you can still pretty much, with the exception of you know part twos of two parters, drop into any episode and watch it. And mm. understand what's going on without, you know, you don't need the last few episodes to understand what's going on, which is, right. you know, the completely serialized shows like Picard and Discovery, obviously, like if you miss an episode, you have to go watch it. You can't just like mm-hmm. pick a random episode to watch. And I think it makes shows much more rewatchable as well. I think that's why a lot of shows that have that more loose level of serialization are heavily rewatched, like Star Trek, TNG, DS9, those kinds of shows. Yeah, all the Star Trek shows, yeah. Yeah, because you could just pick any episode. Oh, I like this episode a lot. Or just literally random number generator it. and Yeah, and, and the show's over when it's over. The episode's yep, over. Yep, exactly. And then you have, you've had a you're, nice you're... 43 minutes sitting on your couch, and you, you feel good at the end of it, and you've been on a journey, and your journey has come to completion. That's a good yep. feeling. Well said. <laughs> Speaking of journeys coming to completions, is that a good segue? By all means. Um, Segway away. Yeah, so we, we wanted to sort of use this news, since obviously Star Trek Strange New Worlds is going to be part of you know CBS's streaming ensemble. Um, you know, what is the future of not only CBS All Access, but sort of CBS All Access and Star Trek within the world of streaming television, which is kind of where mm. it's at right now, where all of these new high-budget shows are being made and where... Uh, you know, this whole new Star Trek universe is being put up. It's interesting. When, when this show comes out, which we don't have a date, but let's say it's, you know, mid to late 2021. Yeah. C- yeah. yeah. CBS All Access will not be CBS All Access anymore. Right. It'll be a, it'll be a totally new and different thing. Thank and, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so... Uh, and this this will be an important part of it, but uh, yeah, no question. You know, the, the service is, is is transforming as as you know, evidenced by you know we're already seeing some parts of that. But ever since Viacom and CBS merged, that's the the biggest part of the business that that's impacting is uh, streaming for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole motivation behind that merger really, I think, was ultimately the idea of building the company back up so that they could have a very robust streaming offering because all access, you know, kind of has it, you know, up until the merger kind of had one hand tied behind its back as far as Trek was concerned, because it yeah. only had the movie. It only had the, the the shows. It did not have the movies. I mean, occasionally they might license one. Like I think Nemesis was on there for a while, which should give you an idea of, you know, <laughs> and now um, it's the only exclusive Trek it has besides the new shows is the animated series. Right. Right. But now I think, you know, you'll be able to, it'll be a one-stop shop, basically, for all your Star Trek needs. You'll be able to watch everything. I mean, CBS All Access is a very interesting player in the streaming world in that it was a fairly early entry. I forget what year. It was. 2014. 2014. Basically, shortly after Hulu launched, Les Moonves says, well, I don't want to be part of that because you're not paying me as much um, as I want. He said, you know, I'm going to make my own, you know, yeah. screw you. And they created this little thing. Um, and it was never it was never intended to play up against Amazon, Netflix um, or Hulu. It, it's it's competition was really things like the, the you know, the stars streaming service, the HBO streaming service, 
the Acorn streaming service, these kind of niche players. Yep. And in that in that world, it was, you know, it was fine. It was one of them. It, it did better than some, not as well as the HBO one. Um, yeah, I was going to say HBO is kind of in a league or of its Hulu. own. Yeah. Well, but no, no, Hulu, Hulu, Amazon, and um, Netflix are in a special tier. Because they're, they're like pandi- multi-platform. Yeah, you know, they're just giant, and they're going to remain so. Um, but, you know, there used to be a world where there was those three, and then lots of these little services. Um, and they played fair, you know, well enough, and Showtime also did play but things in the last year have changed mm-hmm. um, so much that now there's kind of three tiers or and they could continue to goof off and ha- and possibly and you know and this is a viable strategy they could have multiple focused little niche players in that tier of focused niche things you know and some like noggin and there's also i mean god there's just so many of these little streamers um they'll never they'll never get into the netflix amazon right um hulu yeah pantheon the, the, right. um especially netflix and amazon i mean it's just too too big too big yeah i like to compare the, the streaming all these big streaming things to like to the old broadcast network model where you had like three or four big tv networks and they did most of the the big shows and but had the most carriage and got the most audience, but there were always three or four independent stations underneath them, which also served a purpose. And, you know, maybe, maybe that becomes the new syndication model, you know, hmm. you know what I mean? So there is that kind of thing happening here. Like Tony saying these niche things like BritBox, for instance, is a niche. Right. I, I, yeah, and 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 the best thing to do with these is to just dip in and out. You know, I I yeah. was a, I got BritBox for a month, and I forget there was some show I wanted to watch, and I watched it, and I watched a couple things, and then I got rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. It was nothing. You know, it was, it was a perfectly satisfying experience. I can't imagine getting it every month. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. that was, but they don't want to play in that game anymore. And and what's happened nope. is this. What's changed is now there's this new middle tier. And they want to be a big player in the middle tier. And the middle that middle tier is basically the what the, the phrase that the they always call is owned and operated um, within the investor circles. But it's all the studios now want to have their own quote owned and operated streamer. Mm-hmm. So you've got Disney Plus is obviously one of them, been very successful, worldwide launch, millions of subscribers, tens of millions of subscribers. Um, you've got Peacock. Right, yep. Which is uh, NBC Universal, something you know about, Brian. Um, and that had a soft launch, but not a real launch. And uh, within two weeks, Warner Brothers has HBO Max, mm. which a lot of people kind of haven't got their head around. But HBO Max is going to be a big player because oh, yeah. the quote Max part of it is a lot of stuff. You know, the, yeah. it's interesting how they're using the HBO brand, but it's really Warner Brothers Plus. And so yeah. it's going to have tons of stuff that, yeah. you know, hundreds of movies and, you know, all these Warner Brothers shows. And a lot of shows are Warner Brothers that you may have watched on NBC you didn't even realize were hmm. Warner Brothers. Like Friends. Uh, like Friends. Exactly. Uh, like yep. Friends. Yep. You know, and they've got a lot of originals that they, they're bringing back Looney Tunes. They've got all sorts of stuff. And to today, they did a brilliant thing. Um, which is they announced the Snyder Cut. They're going to do the Snyder Cut. Uh, yeah, of Justice League. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which, you know, costs them almost nothing and gets them tons of buzz. Yep. So that's going to be a big player. So, and if you look at all the, the five big studio, five big media players, so you've got Disney covered, right? You've got NBC Universal, um, uh, Warner Brothers, and Viacom CBS. And so now the weird, and, and the fifth one is Sony. Sony's weird. It's unclear what their plan is. I mean, they... Yeah. they, they They're they, just going to have they, the Spider-Man they, movies. That's it. Well, Even but, that you know, they the, don't really have. Yeah. Sony's a major, a major television and film studio. They're, if you add up everything, they're still bigger than Viacom. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, yes, yeah. Uh, I don't, and I'm not even talking about their electronics business. I mean, just the media side. 
Um, but you know, they, 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 they bought this thing that it was called crackle and they renamed it Sony crackle. Then they sold their partnership in it, but they're somehow involved and, but it's only advertising support. It's a, they're not fully, they had this other thing, um, PlayStation view, which was live stuff. And then they got rid of that. I mean, so I don't know what they're doing. Okay. So the, but the other four are all, all in. And oh, yeah. So, but we, and so now CBS has gone from, CBS All Access has gone from an early player in the niche market to now a late player in this owned and operated studio streamer yep. market. And uh, so what Viacom has decided to do, Viacom CBS, is they're just going to take Viacom or CBS All Access and then just start pouring viacom content into it yep um you know and so that's you know your spongebobs your bet shows and all of that stuff yeah nickelodeon is huge for them yeah Yeah. paramount library alone is going to be a big deal yeah yeah they've already put 130 movies in there and including the godfather and stuff like that yep yeah so and and but so the summer they're going to do it was a little confusing um, last week because they announced a lot of stuff. But what it looks like now is there's kind of two phases of what they're going to do. The first phase this summer is they're they're adding um, th- literally thousands of hours of library content. And they're going to totally redo the user interface. Thank God. I mean, in a way that, that they have to. Because imagine this. You're, you're on the same service with SpongeBob and the Godfather movies, and you don't want little Johnny <laughs> saying, "Mommy, mommy, they killed Santino." You know, uh, it's just you know. So they shot gonna... Sonny at the causeway, mom. <laughs> you know, the, it's it's so they're they're going to create. So I think it'll look a lot like this summer. It'll probably look a lot like Disney Plus. There'll probably be a Star Trek silo. There'll be a Nickelodeon oh, yeah. silo. There'll be ways to do mm-hmm. parental mm-hmm. controls yeah. for that. There'll a lot a like par- Disney Plus, probably. Right, that's what I'm saying. You know, there'll be a Smithsonian silo. Smithsonian has got some great content, so that'll be kind of like their version of National Geographic on your Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah, Smithsonian is awesome. So, uh, you know, that'll I I think we'll see that by June or July, and that. But then at some point, and we don't know when this is, uh, they're going to rename it and quote relaunch it. And my bet is also reprice it. Oh yeah, um, they have to. And why? Uh, well, I, I it may not be up. It, they may get rid of the ad supported tier. They may add different kinds of tiers. They have to figure out how to integrate Showtime into it. So mm-hmm. just, if you look at HBO is doing this, HBO is just saying you just get everything. You get HBO, you get everything. It's fifteen dollars. Yeah, and you get it all. Yeah. Whereas whereas Disney's saying. Well, you can have Disney, and you know Disney sounds great, but Disney Plus really doesn't have a lot in it. Um, it's a family it, channel. Yeah, but when you get, but, but Disney's also selling. In fact, they're paying for a sponsor trending today. What they're really selling is the package of Disney, Hulu, and ESPN. Um, ESPN for thirteen or twelve, I forget. Whatever it is, Something like that. it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, right. It's a very and, good deal. And HBO HBO Max is yeah, it's a very good deal because you get live stuff. HBO Max is gonna is fifteen. Um, I don't know what they're gonna. Uh, Peacock's gonna cost. I think it's gonna have a, a ad tier and a no ad tier. Yeah, there's three tiers of Peacock. Um, Peacock free, which is at no charge. Oh. But has a but has a reduced lineup, programming lineup. Advertising supported, obviously. Right. Peacock Premium, which will be included at no charge for subscribers to participating TV providers, including Xfinity, blah, blah, blah. And subscribers to Peacock Premium, whether included through their provider or paid separately, can upgrade to an ad-free version for $10 a month. Right. So $10, you basically you can get an ad-free version for 10 bucks a month. Now, are they? what I don't know is how much of the NBC programming is going to get into this including live programming like events and sports. There seems to be a bit of a question about that too. Um, they definitely talk about bringing in, I don't know about so much about the sports, but like for news, and it seems like at least initially it's going to be news highlights. Like you're not going to be able to dial up any particular, you're not going to watch nightly news with Lester Holt 
at 6.30, it doesn't seem like. Um, hmm. You're not going to get Fallon when it airs necessarily at 11.30. I know there was a controversy about The Tonight Show with the affiliates that at one point Peacock wanted to put The Tonight Show and Seth Meyers on the streaming service, say, at 9 p.m. Yeah. When it doesn't air until broadcast-wise until 11.30. So oh, the affiliates, The affiliates justifiably got pissed off and were like, yeah, what yeah, the hell? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I think that got pulled back. So I think they're still feeling out the live aspects of it a bit. But they could air it in tandem with when it's broadcast, right? I'm sure that that's probably what's ultimately going to happen. Well, see, that's that's the thing that... That's something that the Disney-Hulu thing doesn't have. I mean, with Hulu, you could pay for Hulu Live, but that adds 40 bucks. It's very expensive. It's It's like having a TV package, like a television cable package. Yeah, yeah. The one one thing that that CBS is pushing is they already have this. Like, people don't even realize this, but... You get it, and you can watch CBS Live. So you can watch mm-hmm. your local affiliate uh, mm-hmm. live via CBS, yep. um, and that'll include live events like the Grammys. It'll also include NFL games and PGA, yep. and yep. Yep. you know. And so, live sports is a huge important thing. Now they have the ESPN, so that's why I'm wondering if Peacock, because you know, they got the Olympics, and it would be a big thing if they had that too. So. You know, the, each one of these things will have a video on demand component, you know, possibly a live component. And in, in a way, you know, you to get all four studios, it's going to cost you 50, 60 bucks to have them all at the same time. Which is still a lot cheaper than your cable bill. Yeah. When yeah. You think about it. I still think people will dip in and out. But oh, sure. Absolutely. The bottom line for Star Trek fans, let's bring it back to Star Trek, is... Basically, you've been paying for service, which is a niche player, and this summer, for probably, I assume they're not going to do a price change this summer, you're just going to have, you're going to be paying the same and have a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, even if you're not in it now, when Discovery Season 3 comes, which we're hoping is this summer, um, you know, I think people may stick around longer afterwards because they're like, oh, my kids can watch the Nickelodeon stuff. That wasn't here before. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully they do the UI update before the Discovery launch season three. And so when those people come back who maybe have, you know, left, they'll see a whole new situation and they'll say, oh, well, this is, you know, this is a much better deal now, you know, because I didn't care about NCIS, but I do want to watch, <laughs> you know, The Godfather, SpongeBob, or whatever it is they want to watch. Sure. You know, the uh, Daily Show. Um, you know, there's, 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 you know, the Smithsonian stuff. There's so much that's going to be in there, and so, you know, when people say streaming wars, wars imply winners and losers, and I think everyone is going to be a winner. I think all of these services <laughs> mm-hmm. are great. That's such yeah, a TNG yeah. viewpoint you have. Yeah, no, I think I agree with Tony. <laughs> I agree with Tony. Well, well, that's okay. good. No, I'm glad. Who, who are the losers? Dish, Directv. Yes, Comcast. You know the, yeah. the cable providers and especially the satellite providers are just—it's over. I have no sympathy. Um, no sympathy. They can change their model and their pricing. Like they've—I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being too brash. I kind of say this thing about, about like you know, y- you guys have been here for how long? And you were just sitting back on your hunches and providing the service that everyone was paying for and increasing the price and increasing the price. Someone else came along and did it better, and now you're mad. They don't make any attempt to adjust, though. That's the weird I, thing yeah. about it. Like they know that they're losing. They know why they're losing it. Some did. I mean, the, the most radical version of this is Dish, because unlike the other providers, most people are still getting their broadband from cable. So even when you cut your cable bill, you're still paying for the broadband. If you're a Dish subscriber and you become a cord cutter, you go from, you know, paying them seventy dollars a month to zero. Right. Um, so yeah, that, you know, that's why Comcast so, is in a decent position yeah. because Comcast also owns the pipes to the internet. Yep. Right. So um, the uh, and AT and T owns Warner, which owns you know um, HBO Max. So they're they're doing well. You know they're doing it as well. But the um, so a couple years ago, uh, Sling figured this out and they launched. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Dish. Dish launched Sling. Yeah. So. Um, you know, they, they knew, you know, so 10 years from now or whatever, Sling will exist 
dish will be something that only people in like rural areas or you know <laughs> yeah. it'll be kind no, of like true. it'll be kind of like Netflix where yeah they still have this DVD business on the side but that's not what they do anymore so at least someone some vice president or whatever in Sling four or five years ago or at, at Dish said guys you know we are going to be the last buggy whip maker, makers unless we start making cars um, and uh, they figured it out Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be as profitable. Um, and 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 the COVID quarantine has only made it accelerated this, mm-hmm. um, especially because there's no live sports. Um, and the news is depressing. A lot of yeah. people are like, screw it, screw it. I don't. I don't. You know, why do I want? They're watching more content, but they don't want their cable TV. They want streaming content. Mm-hmm. And all the cart be, or being able to choose. You know what show you want to watch when you want to watch it yeah and with no live sports you're like well, why do i even pay for a live cable package you know mm-hmm. um so bring this back to star trek so viacom wants to viacom cbs want to be a big player in this arena and you know just yesterday or maybe two days ago the ceo of viacom cbs was asked by one of his shareholders you know, how are you prioritizing your $13.5 billion a year? Why, you know, they kind of ask, why are you spending $13.5 billion a year on new content? Because they have obviously this huge library of content from all of their hmm. networks and studio. And they're like, well, you know, we need new content. It drives everything. And, but what was also interesting, and this is the first time I've ever heard them say this, is we're now prioritizing at least the growth end on our spend to streaming. So Viacom, CBS, you know, the CBS All Access was kind of part of the giant CBS portfolio. It was started almost as on a lark, but Viacom, CBS is now very committed to this new service, this bigger service, and they're going to be spending more and more money on new content. Um, And they're going to be prioritizing franchises, one of which is Star Trek. And what's interesting is the CEO of CBS, Viacom CBS, Bob Backish said, look, he told investors, look what we did with Star Trek. We're now going to do that with our other franchises. So they see Star Trek as a success and they're going to continue spending money on it and use it as a model for other things. And they haven't said what these other franchises that they own, you know, and how they will do that. But they... Because the whole thing is they want things that they own, and they 100% own Star Trek, obviously, just like they own SpongeBob, and there's certain things, you know, the, so the, the the world of licensing from other people and stuff, it's like, no, we own this, and we're going to control this. Yeah. And so it's good for Star Trek fans. I think that for the next few years, there's going to be, you know, obviously the COVID thing is a problem, but... In general, there's going to be new Star Trek content on this new streaming service every year. You know, I wouldn't say one thing every month or every week, but... um, But Sort of year-round, you're talking about like year-round. Yeah, which is something that they said a long time ago. Says We want something new on Star Trek all the time. But they're made up. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see two live action seasons and one animated season every year. Maybe 30, 40 episodes of Star Trek a year. Sure. Starting in 2021, 2022. Well, that's smart, too, because that keeps people from from just, like you said, dipping in and out of CBS All Access in terms of Star Trek fans. If they want all the new content, they're just going to pay for the subscription for a year and not cancel it for six months. Like I know a lot of people canceled um, after Picard finished. I did. Well, you you could also binge. You know, I I do that. That's with true. That's HBO. true. I do that with HBO. I just try to avoid spoilers, and then you know, when a season of uh, Westworld finishes, I dip in, watch it, get out. Yeah, but I think it's still good. It's good. It's a good um, incentive because I don't know. Maybe I just care. Like I'm, I'm more lazy than I care about saving money because I'd like starting up and canceling services is such a pain for me. Like it's stressful just thinking about it. Because I have to remember it. Well, I have the, to go cancel. The, the, the smart thing to do is whenever you, I mean, I do this. You, you sign up to something and you immediately cancel it. So you, you th- think of it. Th- I mean, in my mind, I think of it this way. I'm not subscribing. I'm just buying a month. Yeah. So you just, you just buy a month. 
and um, you'll get notified that your month is about to end, and then you'll decide whether you want to keep it or not. Um, or one day you'll log in and you can't get in, and they're like, oh, I'll buy another month. The other way of doing this is, and this doesn't work for everything, but you could go through Amazon channels. It's very easy to turn things on and off in there. Okay. That's how I yeah. get it now, actually. It's, 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 it's easier to, with Amazon channels, it's a lot easier to turn them on than off. <laughs> You've got to... You got to hunch around your Amazon yeah, account they, settings. All of those things. Yeah, they but don't it's want not that cancel. hard. Yeah, it's, it's not, not that, it's, I, it's, I don't know. I didn't find it hard. I think it's easy. I don't find it hard, yet, but some people, I, I tried to explain this to someone and they're like, ah, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like three clicks away, but it's like, if it's not one, it's one click to start, it's about three or four clicks to stop. Yeah, exactly. It's four and, or five uh, times as hard. Um, but still, <laughs> uh, we're, you know, you're going to see a lot of new Star Trek content. And there'll be, I mean, it'll be like, at Disney Plus, they're developing a number of Star Star Wars shows, um, but they're also developing a number of Marvel shows and kid-friendly Disney shows and, you know, nat- National Geographic shows. So, you know, Star Trek will be an important part of this portfolio, but there will be other stuff. Um, and hopefully other stuff that Star Trek fans like. I mean, they were hoping Twilight Zone was going to appeal to Star Trek fans, and it should um but i think a lot of people didn't love the first season i like some of it i really liked the last episode a lot of people didn't go all the way to the end and i actually did skip a few episodes but watch the last episode it's actually quite good it's very meta um uh and hopefully the second season of that'll be good uh they got the the today i think they just announced the stand miniseries they showed the first stuff from that that's coming yeah that's going to be a big deal that's going to be a big deal this is all stuff that was in development before the merger, mm-hmm. you know. So yep. we're still, yep. you know, we're still not seeing what does a Viacom CBS streamer do to what franchises in that larger portfolio start uh, propagating, you know. I mean, you never are they going to do a Beverly Hills Cop TV series? I mean, there's so much <laughs> IP in there. There's got to be people. I know there must be guys just sitting looking through the library saying what do we own what can we make a tv show out of um mm-hmm. you know mission impossible seems obvious um they're they're they're, they're shooting two movies back to back right now you know why it be it might be confusing though like you know because if you can't you can't do a tv show without you know, do a tv show set in that universe i think that might be an interesting thing that it's i mean it, obviously tom cruise isn't going to do a tv show um but you know Maybe you could get some characters from that universe, Simon Pegg, who knows, Ving Rhames or whatever. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that happen. Um, and there'll be other things, uh, and things for kids, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and the BET network is very popular uh, with the urban audience, as they say, and and there'll be Tyler Perry things or stuff like that um, uh, that'll have appeal you know so, so that they it's going to be a diverse portfolio as are you know as the the disney thing i mean this will all be within one thing the disney portfolio if you get the full package i mean you, you look at you know you you get handmaid's tale and you know the mandalorian um you know and all sorts of things on hulu mm-hmm. i mean they, they, what they're doing is they're saying anything you know you got the orville on hulu anything adultish um, is going to end up within the Hulu universe, whereas yep. the whereas the other streamers, the NBC One and the HBO Max. I mean, HBO has some very adult content, but they'll they they'll also have more family friendly stuff. So they'll all have to deal with you know Disney's just kind of walling off Disney Plus, saying all the family friendly stuff is in here. Um, everyone else is going to have to figure out a way to. Yeah, but Netflix is very good at that, and so. You know, no one's no one needs to reinvent the wheel here. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you could turn on the kids button on Netflix, and you know, the kids don't have to see the, you know, human centipede or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, can you explain this? You know, that's that's funny. I'm just like you know, obviously when. Before, you know, when we were kids, when I was a kid, you go into the video store and look at, like, VHS tapes to try to find what you want to watch. And I remember wandering around as a kid and finding the more, like, adult 
type movies like that. And now it's like just there. It's the same. It's the same story. Kids these days are having the exact same experience. Maybe it's harder for them to get access to that. Maybe it was easier for me because it was just there on the shelf. I don't know. Well, With the internet, I think... I think it's super easy. <laughs> it's it's way too easy. Yeah. I'm just wondering, yeah. if, like, I'm talking about, like, parental controls. You know, you can't turn those on in the store, but you could turn those on on your Netflix app so they could only see certain movies. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Right. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, that's that'll be... You know, there's certain things that CBS is basic things that the app doesn't have. You you can't do a, a list in CBS All Access now. Like yeah, I was looking it through and I'm like, oh, I want to watch this. You know, I wanted to rewatch Airplane and some other stuff that I noticed was in there. And I'm like, but at least on my app, there's no way to save it so that I could watch it later. No, maybe oh, your app seems like an obvious is your app different feature. Yeah, yeah, right. All of them have that. You know, so. Maybe this is my, my, you know, what I have on mine, you know, but um, there's certain other things that, you know, they kind of need to catch up to. Oh, yeah. I mean, but that's on the Showtime app has that feature. So I, w- I wonder why the, anyway. The all access app has been pretty poor. I know it's, they've tried to update it recently, but like it was so bad and wasn't even presenting its shows in a good way that I actually stopped using the core app and went to the channels on Amazon, which presented a much crisper image and multi-channel sound for like especially discovery's first season yeah like it was just a disaster that app and it was kind of inexcusable you know it's just like it's just it was it's technically deficient like i said i haven't checked it lately things have probably improved it's a bit. better than first season discovery for sure but like but you go on like disney plus and you get 4k you get full hdr you get like dolby vision you get all sorts of like nice like high-end imagery that you should be getting and all access has been so deficient in that area. So hopefully this new service will address that. And they also need to address another thing I've noticed is their curation of their own library. Right. And when you go, even with Trek, I noticed this, you'll go on, like occasionally you'll run into a TOS episode on there that is not remastered. Uh, uh Uh-huh. Yeah, which is shocking. Yeah, it's like very hit and miss. And in TNG, I don't know if this has changed since... But when I was looking at that thing in 2017, 2018, they were like unremastered episodes of TNG mixed in with remastered ones, like full seasons though. Like, like I think seasons seasons one and two were remastered, and that was it. That's so bizarre, especially because Netflix has all the remastered ones. Yeah, Netflix does a much better job of administering the CBS Star Trek library than CBS has done, <laughs> and that's got to change. Hopefully, um, Amazon channels continues whatever this new service is, this kind of bigger, beefier thing, um, that you'll still be able to get it through Amazon channels. Because, I mean, Amazon channels is one of the advantages. It's just easier for people. You can bundle things together and yep. there's one interface and one billing. And, um, and I think they're going to want to be everywhere. Yeah. I mean, so far they've they've been that way. I mean, it'll, I'm curious if HBO Max, because you get HBO through them. I wonder if HBO Max will be available through the Amazon app or not. Um, I don't know if they've said anything about that yet. Um, uh, and, and whether Peacock and uh, what's the other one? Is that it? Well, I know obviously Disney Plus is not. So Disney's made the decision that you cannot get any of their services through Amazon channels. Not surprised. ESPN, Disney Plus, and Hulu are all, you know, you've got to go through them. Yep. Um, but they, they know how powerful they are. Yeah. So they just... yeah. Well, they're, di- they're Disney. They yeah. Don't, yeah. You know, they, yeah. Don't, they, they can do anything they want. Yeah. That's right. I mean, um, yeah. So this, this they're going to have to come out of the gate. CBS is, Viacom is going to have to come out of the gate strong on this. The, the interface has got to be good. The content has got to be sensational. Yeah, and, and, and it looks like it will be. But yeah, they are coming from behind. Absolutely. Um, yes, most definitely. And, and uh, you know, but I think things are, I mean, the way the company's talking about it, um, things are looking good for Star Trek and for its home. Um, you know, I mean, one little thing is, you know, that this there's a Star Trek show they announced that was going to be on another service, which was... Um, Nickelodeon um, and now that'll obviously now be 
on all access as well. Yep, right at home right. Um, with all the rest but, of the but track probably, content. But probably, fold, yeah, but probably, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it'll be folded in with the Nickelodeon kids stuff. Well, it will be, but hopefully that'll all, uh, you know, I, I guess the question is when they say that all this content is coming, you know, will you be able to watch it? It's still unclear, like, you know, new episodes of a Nickelodeon show that air on Nickelodeon broadcast, you know, will they bubble down? Because every CBS show, the next day, and this is, the you know, is available on All Access, right? Mm-hmm. So will that be true for everything? Nickelodeon, BET, etc. Um, I mean, it better so, be for the Star Trek show because they're using Star Trek to bolster CBS All Access and they have been since Discovery started. So if they say right, we're going to make it, another it, Trek show it, and not put it on this platform, that, w- that would seem crazy. Right, but it's kind of a bigger issue of all the Nickelodeon shows and all the BET shows and all, you know. So, so you know, will they prioritize it so that it shows on the channel one night and then it's on the thing? Or do they wait until the whole season's done or something? That would be a mistake. We Yeah, we don't know yet. Um, those details are yet to, yet to emerge. Interesting. I guess that this uh, whole time I've just been assuming it's going to be the same, you know, very similar to the way that Discovery and Picard have come out. But, of course... With the broadcast aspect of it, could, could right. be different because the Nickelodeon show is not a it's not a streamer you know, first and foremost. It's not a streaming original show. It is a Nickelodeon show yeah. meant to show on the Nickelodeon network. You know, and of course, it, it, there's another aspect we should talk about here. And, and there's a lot of listeners to this podcast who don't live in the USA. Um, so, th- but this is relevant in that they. They've dipped their t- CBS kind of dipped their toe in and out of international, but now they're mm. they are definitely going to go international with this new service. Um, oh. and so you know, starting next year, um, yep. I mean, Disney Plus is in like everywhere, um, as is Amazon. I mean, and and but is the content and, different because like Netflix, the content is different from country to country because of the licensing. Well, yeah, this is this is the it's a licensing quagmire, and who knows what's going to be available where. Okay, it will not be the same everywhere. I mean, you know, a simple example we've already seen this. You know, Star Trek uh, Discovery is not available on CBS All Access Canada because it's on the Space Channel, and it's on uh, the Space Channel streaming service called Crave. I think. Yeah, um, but in in the case of the other of other countries, it was you know it was Netflix before. So if they take that back from Netflix, then what's stopping they, them? Yeah, from... they won't. Yeah, they're not going to take Discovery back from Netflix. But yeah, no way. Let Let's say two years from now there is a service, and let's just call it all you know Viacom All Access. Sure. And it's in the UK and Germany, and you've got the Pike Show. Right. Is the Pike Show going to be on Viacom All Access, or it's going to, or is it going to be on Netflix, or is it going to be on Amazon? Um, Netflix has a deal with CBS where anything that's quote a spinoff of Discovery, they get a first look deal on. Will the Pike Show be considered a spinoff of Discovery, even though Pike is a character created by Gene Roddenberry? Uh, it's unclear. Um, so I mean, it clearly uh, is though. Yeah, it is. But it's a hundred percent a discovery. you can see where Netflix you, could wiggle into that, though. Yeah, so it you know, but uh, same. The Section Thirty One is definitely a spinoff. So yes. they have a first. But who knows? Netflix may say, "Meh, you know, we don't want it, or we don't want what you want us to pay for it." Right? Maybe those shows will be on the CBS service. Yeah, um, and. We still don't know internationally, unless I missed it, where um, that show's going to show the uh, lower decks is going to show up. Um, although that shows up this year, so it, there's not going to be, you know, all access UK, all access Germany, all access Japan and India don't exist yet. So they're going to have to license that to someone. Mm. And here's the here's the bigger question: is what do they do with the Star Trek library itself? Yeah, um, everybody has it. Yeah, I was going to say it's already licensed out to other places. It, it, Netflix yeah, but, has it. Amazon has it. Hulu has it. Yeah, but those deals will expire at some. Of course, yeah, you think? And, they, I mean, but they don't they make a lot of money from licensing it to Netflix, for example. Hundred percent. Oh yeah. So and, is it in their best and, interest and, to? 
to stop that. Maybe it's, it seems well, like it's in their best interest to leave it there in a lot of ways. Well, but, you know, Warner Brothers was making a ton of money um, licensing uh, uh, Friends. Friends. And um, who owns um, The Office? That's... Uh... NBC? <laughs> no, it might no. Be, it might be... Yeah, wait. I think it is NBC. Yeah, I Universal. think so. Maybe, right. NBC yeah, yeah, because that's why yeah. Yeah, they want the they want it it's, for Peacock. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's going to be a yeah. So I mean, Netflix <laughs> was paying them a ton of money, would have probably paid them more, but they clawed it back so that it could be on Peacock, and so Netflix went off and hired the creator of The Office and Steve Carell to create the show called Space Force, which debuts next week and looks okay, um, which is an office-based comedy set at. Um, uh, Space Force, but um, you know it's nothing like the the uh, having the office. But the backish is kind of he's kind of said both things. He's like, well, we want to continue licensing, but we want to you know f- maximize our franchises. So I wouldn't be shocked if they go either way. Um, but you know it could be we may end up you know Netflix is spending twenty million dollars a year on original content more than any studio um, billion billion sorry they know that they are spending money as if they believe someday they they won't be able to license anything or at least you know not nearly as much of the popular stuff that they get now you know I mean all you know they had that deal with Disney you know remember Disney movies. You know, Black Panther and stuff would show up on Netflix. They're almost all gone. Yeah, all gone. You know, um, you know, and it was it was funny. Like you'd want they would literally disappear on Netflix at midnight, and 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 a nanosecond later appear on Disney Plus. <laughs> um, you know, so the owned and operated the four these four big owned and operated could eventually move towards their all their libraries are on their things. Mm-hmm. I think that's and what's happen. Amazon. And so the three big ones, well, Hulu's in a funny place, but Hulu still has licensed content from others. So the three biggies may end up not having a lot of licensed content. Um, and, you know, that'll be that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that hasn't happened yet, but it's kind of starting to happen. So there could be a day where if you want to stream a Star Trek show, you only have one choice. Um, I'm not sure they would want to do that while Netflix and Amazon are footing the bill for some Star Trek content overseas, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and I, that's something I wanted to bring up, is that I wonder if now that CBS and Viacom are, want to become international players and want to blow themselves up to be competitors you know, with the other big players, including Netflix, I wonder if there's going to reach a point where you know CBS is going to have to start footing the bills for these things on their own. Because up to this point, Star Trek has been these new Star Trek shows have been mostly financed by other people, not CBS. Hmm. Yeah, or at least co-financed. Yeah, so like they're going to have to start assuming the risk for these projects, and that's going to be interesting to watch too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, um, yeah, I think that's that that is going to happen eventually. Um, and, and and in fact, that's one of the reasons why Backish is probably still not saying they're going to do be as aggressive about this as we're seeing NBC universal, at least with shows like the office. Um, so I, I, I think they will continue to license stuff um, for a while, but um, you know, the, this, the streaming world is tra- totally transformed in the last two years. So who knows what it's going to look like in the next two years. But I think yep. it's in general, good news for star Trek fans where things are going, which is, mm-hmm. The home of Star Trek, the streaming home of Star Trek is getting better, um, for sure, with more content and more Star Trek. And What more could you want? More non- yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so when, when the first day when Netflix, or I'm sorry, when Discovery launched on CBS All Access, they had maybe, what, three original shows? And, you know, so if, if you weren't a fan of, I mean, there's a big library that's, you know, episodes of uh, uh, Cheers and, you know, the Brady Bunch. MacGyver. And, you know, MacGyver. And, you know, you could just lose yourself in NCIS versions <laughs> if you're a big fan of Scott Beck. If you love that stuff, procedurals, and CBS All Access is, you know, awesome. 
but if you're not into that stuff, then yeah, it was, there's not a lot of, you know, there wasn't a lot of stuff. Um, and that's changing for sure. They've, uh, there's a lot of good stuff coming down the pike already. Um, down the pike? Down the pike. God, I didn't even realize I was saying that. <laughs> I'm, I'm optimistic about the, uh, the future of Star Trek and streaming for sure. All right. Definitely a brave new world out there. Yeah. For sure. Strange, a strange new world, you might say. Oh. <laughs> callback. Uh, that's what we call a callback in the biz. Indeed. Um, by the way, this whole idea about talking about the streaming wars was, I think we mentioned this and uh, the last time we had Tony on a few weeks back, we mentioned that this might be a topic that, you know, people might be interested in. And we got some feedback from some of you saying, yeah, we'd like to hear that. We're interested in hearing that. So thank you for the feedback. And we were happy to do this. This is like uh, between me, Tony and Matt in particular, the three of us, this is kind of like a side hobby, the business of show business. So it's always fun to talk about. So we're glad we were able to share it with you and we hope you got something out of it. And I I was, you know, I, I just hope I didn't hog too much time. No, no, no. You are a font of knowledge, Mr. Pesco. As always. <laughs> and before we go, I want to make sure um, to give a shout out to a couple of our newest patrons. So we have a Patreon page now, as you might have heard in the last couple of shuttle pods. Um, and I want to he- send out a huge thanks to Fritz-, Fritz Kessler, who is a new patron, and also to Rick Becker. So thank you guys both so much. We really appreciate your patronage. Um, and just a, um, little plug for the, for the Patreon where we, we started this thing a couple of months ago. Um, and really what we're, we're looking at it as kind of a tip jar. So, um, we're not, you know, necessarily offering a ton of bonus content or anything like that. You know, I might go on there and, and post some, some fun clips or posts once in a while, but re- really what we're, we're using it as is to say, you know, Hey, we've been doing this podcast for many years now and we're going to keep bringing you you know the best podcast we can if if you appreciate it if you are able and would like to support us um you know a dollar a month whatever you'd like to do it's very very much appreciated um you know it's like buying us a coffee once a month something like that we'd really appreciate it so um yeah go and check out our patreon if you would like to uh and are able to donate we really appreciate all you guys Yes, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So with that, um, I guess until next time, we will say adieu. And we'll see you guys again on the next ShuttlePod podcast. All righty. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>